Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. worship you. I thank you. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise right now? God, we thank you for meeting us here today. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the kids to Sunday school. You guys have fun back there. Yes, thank you. Uh, I looked and I was like, my mind went blank. I feel like there's something I'm supposed to do, and it was the announcement. So I just, let me do that real quick. <laughs> so there's something cool starting. If you're a lady in here, three ladies in the house. Yeah. Right. So uh, why, why, why do the ladies always do that better than the guys? I'm like, hey, the guys in the house, and they're like, yeah. And I was like, one. I'm like, okay, cool. I know there's more than one in here. <laughs> So, um, Brenna, Brenna, wave your hand. This is Brenna. Ashley, she was lead worship. That's my sister. She, uh, those two are wanting to start a lady self-defense class. Um, so if you're interested, I'm going to direct you to her. Um, I thought it would be kind of cool. So she has taught, uh, or she, like, does, like, I don't know, like, 100 years of, like, martial arts and mixed martial arts, and, like, she does sword fighting and all this. She's really cool, actually, like, if you get to know her. <laughs> She's got a lot of stuff. She could actually teach you some really cool stuff. I mean, like the, I don't know. That's probably not what they do, but in my mind, thanks to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, no, she, uh, she gave us a, when, when someone is like, I want to do something, and they come up with a PowerPoint, and like their, you know, five-step plan of how they're going to do it, I'm like, the answer was yes when you pulled up PowerPoint. Like, <laughs> so she's, she's excited about it. So if you're interested in it, I would uh, say, if your lady, talk to her. She, um, she's trying to figure out times and things like that that would work. Um, so I think it would be, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, if you uh, haven't came to Tuesday Night Bible Study, but you've been following along with the questions, you can grab the chapter seven questions um, out there in the entryway. If they're not out there, you can come and grab me and I'll print you some. Uh, the printer's working. I have yellow ink in there for the black letters, um, so it will print now. <laughs> um, so if you, have, if you would like to take those questions, so you, it'll help you with your study. So when you come uh, this week to Tuesday Night Bible Study, you got, over, you got everything ready. Um, you can grab those now <clears throat> um, or after church. Um, and then afterwards, we got uh, some uh, candy eggs and all that kind of fun stuff for kids. And there's a, um, a ring in there, a balloon arch. Uh, that Brenna and Ashley put together yesterday. Um, so if you uh, have kids, um, it's, they're going to come back in after church is over. They're going to dismiss from Sunday school. They're going to come in here and find you. Um, and they're going to set up the eggs. And then the two through five will go first. And then it'll be six through ten. Um, so break it up a little bit. So there's a little bit of separation. So the ten-year-olds aren't, aren't running over the two-year-olds, you know, being like, hey, these are my eggs. I heard one kid likes just green eggs, and so I, I, I made one. It was green and 
yellow, I think, I put together. And I was like, I wonder if he'll take this one. It's got green on it. But I wonder if he'll take it because it's green and yellow. <laughs> uh, it's my test that I'm going to see if he gets it. <laughs> All right. Um, I just want to pray before I uh, start today. God, I thank you for bringing us here today. God, I pray that you would anoint your word. God, it's already been anointed. God, I pray that you would anoint me, God, that you would anoint our ears to hear your word. God, that we would follow your leading in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Well, we've been in this series, God's Redeeming Rescues, and what better Sunday to be talking about the rescue of God than on Resurrection Sunday. That sounds like a pretty big rescue, right? So last week we focused on uh, when Jesus arrived at the temple. It was Palm Sunday. He arrived. It wasn't Palm Sunday the day that he arrived, you know, way back 2,000 years ago. But um, he, he, he arrives at the temple and we talked about the connection between Abraham and the triumphal entry. Um, and I, I can't imagine how triumphant it was when God provided the sacrifice for Abraham. Like, I can't imagine how triumphant that would feel like he was getting ready to sacrifice his son and then bam, here comes, here God provides a sacrifice for Abraham. Like, that would seem pretty triumphant to me. And then here we see this, this uh we see Jesus coming in, and it's the sacrifice for our sins for today. So I can't imagine what Abraham felt, but I know how I can feel. I can feel. Betty came up, and she talked about how, you know, she's different, and that's why she worships. She's, I, I'm not the same as I was when I, um, when I first came to God, and I'm not the same as I was when I first came to God. Why do I worship? Why do I get crazy? Why do I get so excited when I talk about God's word? Because he saved me. He changed me. I'm not the same as I used to be, and I'm so thankful for that. I don't want to stay the same way. And so when I talk about the goodness of God, I get a little excited. <laughs> but I think if you're not excited about the message of Jesus and you're preaching, it's probably not the best profession for you. <laughs> you got to be excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like a prerequisite. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to bring us to our, um, uh, how it kind of coincides with uh, Easter, the Passover. And we're going to get into that today. But I want to read this focus scripture. It's from 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, and it's 13 through 17. This will be the focus scripture uh, for today. And it says, who then will harm you if, you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that, you are, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that would be God's will, than for doing evil. So this scripture, uh, I think like it, it helps with uh, us understanding a little bit about ourselves. Like when, I'm, when I am, I should not be afraid, right? When I am persecuted, when I am, when I am, when I do suffer, I should not fear or be intimidated. I, I have a hope in Jesus. That song that we were singing, the lion has a rose. Like when it gets to that, ah, oh man, I just, I love that part. And I say this a lot of times, I, that, that he's not looking for you to be the lion. 
He wants you to give him room to be the lion in your life. Like, you don't need to be this bold, big lion. What he needs you to be is to allow him to have room in the life to be the lion. The lion has a roar. It's not your roar. (laughs) It's his roar. Surprise. (laughs) So one challenge for the church that I have given over these past couple weeks is to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to prepare for communion. And so at the end of this, we're going to take communion as a church, and everyone is welcome to uh, communion. And I'll get into that here in a few minutes. But I believe that it's vital that we prepare our hearts every day, not just when we take communion. It's, you could take communion every day if you wanted to. You could take it every week on Sunday if you felt like you wanted to. But here's the thing. Communion is not just a cracker and juice. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to have uh, that's true communion. That's what I want. And that brings us way back into Genesis, right? When we talked about the beginning, when, when Adam and Eve, when God created and there was Adam and Eve and they walked with God in the cool of the day and all those things, that was what God had intended to have was true relationship. So when we take communion today, let's make it a covenant. I, I make a covenant with God. When I take communion, God, help me to have a deeper relationship with you. God, from from this time on, God, from this time forward, God, let me be new and fresh. So as I go through this today, I want you to be thinking about what is your covenant with God? What is your relationship like with God? What is a change that needs to make? Because the truth is, every single one of us are not where we should be in our relationship with God, including myself. I'm not saying that you guys and me, I'm different than you. I'm, I, man, I'm messed up too. And I am in need of a deeper relationship with God. So what is the change that, that, that God is calling you to? What is the change that God has been working in your heart? So let's make today, as we take communion, a fresh covenant. So the reminder of communion, the reminder of the Passover, it all started back in Exodus. It wasn't, it wasn't when Jesus broke the bread that communion started. Man, I was like, Ashley like, came and she was talking to me after prayer last night. She like, gave me this thought, and I was like, man, when she told me that like a week ago so I could put that in my notes, it was really good. And it was about communion. But I'm going to go into this Exodus chapter 12, 12 through 14. And it's not... Um, in the notes that I gave you. If you, if you um, would like sermon notes, I totally forgot to say this at the beginning, you can go to myhope.life forward slash sermons and it'll open up in your uh, version Bible app. So um, if you want those, otherwise um, you have to look at the screen when I put the scriptures up there. I don't know if I put these ones on there. Exodus 12, 12 through 14. Did I put them on there? I did. So maybe you can read them, maybe you can't. <laughs> Um, But if you want it, myhope.life forward slash sermons. There's a little button there that says notes. You can click on that. If you have YouVersion Bible app, you can just search it in events, and you'll find uh, all the notes for today. So in Exodus 12, 12 through 14, it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you... Uh, our staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will uh, be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generation as a permanent statue. So the very final plague in Egypt, if you don't know the story of 
of, of the Egyptians and all, those, and all that stuff, the children of Israel. I'm sure that throughout this series, they'll probably work their way a couple of times into this because there's a whole lot of stories in there that you can incorporate. But this is the last plague that comes when the children of Israel are still captured in bondage. And there's a couple of things that this says here. There will be a distinguishing mark that I'll recognize. I need to have a distinguishing mark in my life. I am not called to be the same as the world. I'm called to be separate and to be different. So there should be a distinguishing mark. That's God's spirit. I need God's spirit in my life. I need a distinguishing mark. So in this passage here, we see the final plague. God sends the Egyptians, and there's death. And this is Passover. Fast forward quite a few years. Now you're at Jesus' death. And it was during Passover. It was during this time that he was crucified. And so it coincides with the very thing that started it all, the, the festival and, and the remembrance of what, what uh, God had done for them. And here in this very moment, they're crucifying the sacrifice, the lamb, just like back in uh, Egypt when they were to kill the lamb and they were to eat the lamb, like all of that stuff. Like here's the lamb that was slain for our sins. So let's jump into Matthew 27, 45 through 54. And let's look and see what happens after the death of Jesus. So it says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing heard this, they said, he is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But, but Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, this is the part right here, suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom, the earthquake and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and these things that happened, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. The centurion soldiers understood what just took place with very little understanding of why they were doing what they were doing. He was innocent, but they understood what they had just done. Isn't that just crazy? Like we always have hindsight. You know, hindsight is like one of the best things in our lives. We're like, man, why'd you do that? Like, well, I didn't know it was going to go that way. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Sometimes it happens, right? So let's break this down into a few bite-sized chunks. One, death does not look like victory, right? Like when you think about it, deep down inside, death does not look like, oh, he died. He could have stopped it. He could have came off the cross. That would have been, I mean, that would have been equally as cool, right? Like he came off the cross. He was like, nope, the, the nails don't go through me. I mean, like we all have seen Marvel. I mean, some of you probably haven't, but you've seen, you know, like the Hulk. Like he gets just shot with a bullet and it just bounces off of him like they put the spike in Jesus' hand, bam, and it just, and it, and it bends or something like that. Like, oh, yeah, we're like, that, that was cool. Wow, that, this really, yeah. 
Now, there's many ways, right, that he could have been like, look, I am God. That's right. But he chose the one where I'll go through and I'll suffer the pain, the 39 lashes, right? I'll suffer the, 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 the crown of thorns being put on my forehead. I'll suffer the ridicule. I'll suffer the mocking for your sin because there needs to be a mark. So what happens? He dies, right? He gives up his spirit. And at that same moment, the veil is torn. Now, this is something that's so cool. So if you were in the, if you were in the back, if you were going back into the Old Testament and you started reading about the tabernacle, you would read that that was something that God had established. He had established the veil. So the only thing that can destroy the veil is if God himself destroys the veil. So in this moment, when Jesus dies, I look and I see it was God who destroyed that separation so that I could have a communion with God, so that I could have a touch of his spirit in my life. That's one of the most beautiful stories, the most beautiful things about the resurrection or the death of Jesus is the veil being torn. I mean, I get excited about that because it gives opportunity for me to experience his presence afresh, anew. The holiest of holies is what was separated. At one time a year, the high priest got to enter into the holiest of holies after the sacrifice and all that. The common person didn't get to do that. When Jesus died, he gave up his spirit, and that spirit splits the veil. Like, there's just so much... So I want to bring out this point. When the devil thinks he's victorious, Jesus once again comes in and cleans house, right? Like he comes in and he's like, bam, we're done with that. Here's a new covenant. And it's, this is the covenant. It's with my blood. It's the mark for your life. I need to have the blood of Jesus applied to my life. And the only way it is applied is through his spirit. I need his spirit active in my life. So... In John 14, um, Jesus said that uh, the veil would be torn. The beauty of the veil being torn is that it set up what Jesus had said in John 14. And that we don't have to be troubled by his death. But that this was a transition from being with them to within them. Verse 20 says, on that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. I need, I need to recognize the transition that happened there. That, you know, yeah, he's not physically here, but he is within me. I need God's spirit in my life. So, verse uh, 50, it says, But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. This is what tore the veil. God said, It's finished. My spirit is set free. Yes. I, oh, yes. Just think about that freedom, okay? They were in bondage before during the Passover, right? When the very first time it took place, when the death angel came in and and, and it says, uh, well, if you read it, it says in Exodus 12, it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. When I read that, I look at this and I know that in that moment there was death, but victory came because of the death. The same thing happened with the death of Jesus the freedom for God's spirit to operate took place. Yes. Now I can have a relationship yes. with God. Now that I, now I can commune with him on a daily basis. I, I don't have to come here and drink a cup and, and be in communion with him. That's not communion. What communion is, is my daily prayer life. 
What communion is, is looking as a victorious Christian living a different life. That, that's communion with God. So what seemed like death in that moment was truly victory. So when you begin to look at your life, don't buy the story that Satan has sold you that he's overcome. So a funny, funny thought for you. Yesterday while I was filling some eggs, I was testing the candy, making sure it was good. So I can trust, you can rest assured that it is safe candy for your children. It worked. I ate it. I didn't get sick. My, my wife was like, but what happens if you are sick tomorrow? I was like, well, you probably shouldn't give out this candy because I ate a lot of it. <laughs> but there was a couple pieces that came in this packaging that was just messed up. The only packaging that I ever see messed up is the Easter candy. You know, like when it comes, like it, it, they always mess up something. And, 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 but I always, you know, I just want to check and make sure that candy's good. I don't want to give them a, I don't want to give a kid, you know, one Starburst, right, in this funky pack. They don't want that. Right? Actually, you know what? I opened it up, and it tasted just like a normal Starburst. And, and I had this thought hit me. I was like, man. And I was like, I got to go and find one more piece of this, because I'd opened all the bad ones that I had found. And finally, my wife found one, so I could show you today what it looks like when a package messes up. But what's inside the package is still really good. Yes, that's right. And so you may have your life looking a lot like Come this on. package today. Preach. You may look Preach. on the outside all tore up and messed up, but on the inside, you're just a starburst. Oh, and it's a good starburst too. <laughs> like it ain't a yellow starburst either. I mean, if you like yellow starburst, then fine, but <laughs> I'm not a yellow candy kind of person, but man, this one right here. <laughs> This is a good one. So when you think, when you look at your life and you're like, oh, I've been surrounded by addiction or I've been struggles, I have struggles in my mind, I have struggles in this world, I want you to know that just because the packaging that you are in right now doesn't look great, right. the contents that you have is good. Yes. What God has for you is wonderful. Yes. And if you'll just go ahead and keep holding on to him, I promise you that he will begin to step in. And it's him that makes the difference in our lives. New life is not bound by addiction. New life is not bound by the struggles of this world. Do we still have struggles? Yes. Yes. But I am not bound by them because I was purchased by the blood of Jesus on Calvary. So I have the opportunity to rejoice. I, on Good Friday comes along, I don't have to mourn that Jesus had died. I get to rejoice that he's alive. I get to rejoice that my Savior has arisen. I don't know why we always go back and we look at like the mourning of like Jesus and his sacrifice. Like I'm thankful for what he did on Calvary. But the greatest part of the story is the veil being torn and he rose again. I know my Jesus is alive. I know my Savior has risen. So I'm thankful for Calvary. But I'm thankful so much for the tomb. Because the tomb, like, oh, man, it's empty. Like, it speaks. Rochelle, uh, Ashley uh, went to Israel, and she had pictures of two places that they call, that, that, that potentially could be the tomb or where Jesus had been buried. Um, they weren't sure which one it was. There's two of them. And there's the garden tomb, and then there's the tomb that um, the Catholic Church went and built a, um, something over, a church over, I think, or something like that. Um, so stop building churches over important things like that. 
It's not a good place. <laughs> um, and so in, this, in these two places, though, here's one thing that I can tell you. They are both empty. Yes. So yes. the places that they think they could be where Jesus died, they're both empty. So you're like, I know, like, maybe if you're like a skeptic in here today, that's okay. Like, you came here to church today to listen and be skeptical. That, that's absolutely fine. They'd be like, well, maybe they dug him out and moved him. Maybe they put him, his bones in a box and maybe he really is dead. Well, you know what? It, that's fine if you want to believe that. I don't because my life's changed. Yes, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I will say it's wrong because I have tasted and seen that the goodness of God is real. He's touched my mind. He's touched my body. At seven years old, I had cancer. When we're singing that song that says, he healed back then and he heals today. Oh, I believe it. He's the same God. The one that delivered people, he's still delivering today. The one that's breaking the bonds of, uh, of addiction, he's still breaking them today. The one that's delivering people into free, he did it then, he'll do it today. I can promise you hold on and have faith that God has risen, that he is ready to touch your life, that you don't have to leave the same as you walked in. That's the beauty of the gospel message is that I don't have to remain the same that I've always been. I can be changed. I'm thankful I've experienced John 14, 20. I know that Jesus is within me. I'm thankful for that. So what does vic the victory of Calvary look like? I'm going to read to you a couple scriptures, and it comes right next to um, the, uh, what were they called? The focus scriptures. In verse 18... Through 22 of 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. I've been unrighteous, but he suffered for me. He suffered for you. That he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made a pro... Sorry in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison. I want you to pay particular attention to verse 19 there. Who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Verse 21, here's the next scripture I want you to pay attention to. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Yes. Let's break it down for just a moment. The suffering was so that you and I could have victory over the sin nature in our life so that it would, his grace would abound much more so that, so that I don't have to continue to be subject to the sin, but I can rule over the sin so that I don't have to struggle. So Jesus resurrected. And if we go back into that passage, right, where, where whenever he died, the, uh, they came out of the tomb, right? The, the, the dead comes out of the tomb right there as he dies. Jesus resurrected so that you could have new life not so that you could stay in your grave but so that you could come out he did not come out of the grave to leave you in the grave he did not come out of the grave so that you could stay in yours he wants you to come out he didn't call you to stay in bound to addiction he didn't cause you to he didn't call you to stay addicted to sin he didn't call you to stay in that but to come out and to be separate so that you could experience 
new life in him. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. So let's look at this next one right here. Another important one. Let me, let me do, jump back. Sorry, 19 and 20. This one brings up a lot of debate on what Peter was writing here. 19 and 20, let me read it to you again. It says, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in it. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. So this one right here brings up a lot of debate. You know, I ask a bunch of like, you go Google it for a minute and you'll be like, wow, there's a lot of thoughts on this one. Here's what makes sense to me. Jesus declared to the spirits in prison that he had completed what he had promised. I believe I serve a victorious God. Yes, How many of you like play basketball? Is there any basketball players? Okay. I'm not a good basketball. I'm terrible at basketball. But if I can get on the winning team, I can, I can trash talk with the best of them. But give me that ball. I can't get it in the net for the... For the life of me, I could be right here knowing everybody just stand there and I just miss it, miss it. I like, miss it. Give me a granny shot, miss it. Like, I can't do, I can't get it in there for nothing. But boy, I'll tell you what, when we win, boy, Lori, when I win that game, I didn't, I didn't win it. But boy, I was on the winning team. I get so excited. I think about this. I serve a victorious God. I, I think that he would go and proclaim that he had fulfilled the promise and that he had defeated death, hell, and the grave is what Peter is writing here. And he just wanted to go and remind them, hey, just so you know, I won. <laughs> so when you're feeling down, one of the hardest things sometimes you've got to remember your relationship with God is what ties you to the winning team. I want to be on the winning team. I don't want to lose, guys. I don't want to lose. And when I look at the Bible, I see that I'm on the winning team. And so that means when I'm discouraged, when I'm down, I've got to remind myself of the goodness of God and what he's done for me. And that the side that I am on, I'm on the winning side. So when you're struggling, remind yourself, yes, I'm struggling, but, but whose side am I on? Do I want to stay on the losing team? Or I don't I want to say, I need a trade. Well, who's that guy that just got, um, Jim, help me out. Adam Thielen. Thank you. Adam Thielen. He just got traded, right? From the Vikings to the Panthers. I don't know. The Panthers going to be more winning team than the Vikings. I don't know. Like, but Adam Thielen was like, no, you're not going to pay me not what I'm worth. I'm going to go make at least what I'm worth somewhere else. Like, I think about that like, man, Satan's selling you a lie that you're not worth your value. <laughs> like, oh, you, why don't you take a pay cut? Why don't you take a pay cut on the grace that God has? Why don't you take a pay cut on the value that God has placed on you? The value that he saw on you on Calvary. Why don't you take a cut on that? You're not really that good. You're not that great. I think I need a transfer to the winning team. Now, if the Panthers go and win the Super Bowl this year, I'll be like, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Oh, see, if you're not laughing in church, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you got to have fun. <laughs> to me, victory is the coolest part of the resurrection. In all of it, I'm thankful. 
You may be one of the most messed up people on the team, like myself. <laughs> but deep down inside, you've got that good trash talk because you've got the one who's victorious. <laughs> so a final part of our victory as Christians, we get to look forward to God, what God will do in our lives. But more importantly, we get to look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which see, it can be found in Revelations 19 if you want to read more about that. And so Paul said that we are to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a call forward and no longer just a spiritual relationship, but the union of the church with Christ. It's a call forward to relationship. So I mentioned at the beginning about communion. What, what does a more victorious life look like for you? I will tell you this. You will not have victory if you don't familiarize yourself with God's word. You will never have victory if you don't spend time in prayer. Don't expect God to just intervene when you didn't welcome him there. You were being the lion just fine without him. And so he's going to let you keep being the lion in your life. But I don't, I'm not a good lion. I need him to be the lion in my life. I need his roar in my life. And so when I look at this today, what, what is your covenant with God? What is the change? What is the difference that you are going to make in your life this year? What, what, what's the difference that, God, I don't want to be the same as I was when I walked into this place. I'm tired of the old me. I need to change teams. So this final part here, which brings us to communion, it's a call forward to relationship. And I'm going to read a few scriptures before we get to this point. But as we take communion over the next few minutes, before we do that, I'm going to give you the scriptures that I had initially asked you guys to read. And this is for self-examination. My job is not to examine each and every one of you and be like, okay, you're worthy for communion. You're worthy of communion. You're not. <laughs> you weren't here last week. You're not worthy for communion. That's not how, that's not how this works. You judge yourself in this fashion. So it says in verse 27, it says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup, I'm sorry, it's 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32, it says, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If they were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. I want God's discipline in my life. God changed things in my life. But there's something interesting here. In verse 30, it says, this is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. Now, when you go up and you read Matthew, and you read the part right here in verse 52, it says the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. In the church today, across all walks of life, across all denominations, there are many Christians who sit on the seat every Sunday and are asleep. There's many Christians who have lost their faith that God is able to make a difference. But I want to tell you this, you cannot lose your faith. You cannot give up on it. If you want to have a third day experience, 
you are going to have to have, you can't lose faith on the second day. If you want to have a third day experience, don't lose faith on the second day. Keep holding on. Keep pressing forward. So when I look at this, there are many who have fallen asleep. What does it mean to have fallen asleep? We can, we can fall into the comforts of this world. I believe it. That Satan is cool. If you come to church and you sit down on the seat, but you go back on Monday to live your life the way you've always lived your life, he's fine with that. Like the odds are good that he's winning. Because if six days out of the week you are doing everything that he's got playing into your life, one day of the week, man, it ain't going to keep you very long. But if you start praying, you start studying God's word, I promise you, you're going to start to meet resistance. You're going to start to see things in your life. You're like, why is this this way? Why am I feeling this way? And I'll be, you'll be like, Zach, why do I feel this way? And I'll be like, well, probably because you started doing something. You started taking steps of faith. Being a Christian, you are not called to sit on the seat. You are not called to be a bench warmer. Adam, Jim kind of explained it to me. I guess the Vikings wanted Adam to play third string or something like that, which I have no clue what that means. But I, if you're not first string, I guess, you know, that it probably ain't great, you know. So I guess if you're third, that means you're real not great. So, like, you didn't even make second. They're like, yeah, I'll put you on third. Like, but then he was like, well, I'm going to transfer over here to these guys. They're going to, like, put me as their number one guy. I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to do what I'm good at. God didn't call you to be the third string. <laughs> he didn't call you to sit on the sidelines. Well, after this person's dead and this person's dead and this person's dead, well, then, Lori, you get a ministry. Well, then, then you get a ministry. Like, no, that, no, you're not. Don't wait for someone to die to get a ministry. Go ahead and say, God, I'm going to serve you with everything that's within me today. So I don't decide who takes communion. You do. But it's vital that we recognize ourselves and the secret places that we hide in our hearts. Because a lot of times, it can be really easy to walk out of the grave a little bit on Sunday to find ourselves, as soon as we're done with church, walking back to the grave, into the secret places, and going right back to our sleep, going right back to our death. I, that's not the place for you. The tomb is dark, it's cold, and it's uncomfortable. But when you walk out, you get to face Jesus. You get to look at him. You get to see the glory. I, I want, that's where I want to be. I don't want to live bound. And so when we take communion today, I want you to pray and ask God to shine a light into every area of your heart. That if there's something in your heart that is, that is distracting you, something that is pulling you away, then I, I want you to pray and ask God to, to open up your eyes to what it is. So I'm going to play this song. I think it's important that we all repent. Before we take communion, even if you did it all week long, you repented. We're going to do it today. Repentance is easy. And I'll tell you, it's, God, I'm sorry for my sin. You know the areas of my heart that aren't clean. God, I pray that you would help me to clean those, that you would clean me, purge me. And then as this song plays, I'm going to ask that you reflect and ask God to help you grow in your relationship with him and to renew your covenant with him in relationship. So as this song plays, I just want us to just look on him right now. God, I pray that you would touch us right now, that your spirit would move in our lives. God, you know our hearts. You know where we are, God. You know exactly what we need. 
God, I thank you. God, I pray that you would touch each and every one. I speak victory over every life, over every family. I speak victory over every situation, over every nation. Every enemy is conquered, every stronghold is brought down. I speak victory, I speak victory. everyone has their cup, but I'm going to go over some instructions on the cup, because uh, it might be confusing, I, and if you're like worried about gluten-free, these are gluten-free, so they're safe for you. I mean, I, I guess a little bit of gluten can really affect someone, so. But in the bottom, if you flip it over upside down and you shake it, you'll see your little bread cup underneath there, and you can peel that back, and you can get that out. <clears throat> And that, uh, that's the, the bread we'll eat. And then when we go to do the, the juice, it's just the other side. That's really fancy. My grandma always struggled with the other little cellophane room that I had, so I was trying to find something that was more easy. <laughs> so you can go ahead and, and take the bread out. Um, you can work on that, play with your cup. But I'm going to read a couple of things, uh, a couple of scriptures that I just want to read. I talked about Jesus breaking bread. 
right? So that comes in Matthew 16. Um, I got one. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Matthew 16, 16 through 30. These are the scriptures where Jesus breaks bread with his disciples. And I'm just going to read these to you before we do communion. It says, and they were eating. Jesus, in verse 16, 16 through 30, it says, 26 through 30, I should say. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day that when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. One of the scriptures here that really struck me this morning as I was reading is verse 30. It says, after they did that, they were singing a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. It doesn't say that they stayed in mourning or anything like that. And I want to remind you that when we take communion, Paul said it very good in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Taking of the cup and the bread is the proclamation of Jesus. It's not just an act of this right here, but it is your everyday life that you live. And so I pray today that as we do this, that part of your covenant is that when you leave this place, that you don't return back to bondage, but you continue to walk in freedom. So let's read these. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 24, it says, For I received from the Lord... What I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take that bread, and let's just thank God for what he's done. God, I thank you for everything that you've done. God, I thank you for what you did on Calvary. God, I thank you for the sacrifice, God. God, that you were pierced for us, God, that, that you were nailed to a cross for us. God, I give you thanks right now. God, I, I worship you and praise you, God, that you took the stripes. God, that your body was broken for me. God, that I could have new life with you. Thank you, Jesus. You want to go ahead and open the drink on, um, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five through 26. It says, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and take the cup. This, taking communion, is looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's not just a reflection of the past, but it's a looking forward to and so as they ended and they began to sing a hymn, I want us today to not sit in a mourning, but to sit and rejoice and to thank God for what he's done. So I'm going to ask you, let's just put our hands together because the one that we're here for today is Jesus Christ. I want to give him praise that he's due. Thank you, God, for your sacrifice, God, for what you've done. 
God, we worship you. We magnify you. God, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for what he's done. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can you just worship him right now? God, I thank you. God, I give you praise. God, I magnify you. I thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done, Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak victory over your life today. That while you walked in here today and you may have felt defeated, you get to leave victorious. You can leave associated with the winning team. You don't have to leave on the defeated team. Satan has been defeated already. Death, hell, and the grave has been defeated. We serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we thank you. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. As you leave today, don't leave feeling defeated. Don't feel that you're rejected. You are loved by God. He cares about you so much. He loves you. Continue to believe that you've got victory in him. Here's your questions for reflection. What is your covenant with God? What is it? Next one is, what are you waiting? What are you waiting to work on to grow your relationship with God? Don't wait until he gives you all these wonderful signs. If you were looking for a sign, here's the sign. You need a relationship with God. You need to associate yourself with the winning team. There's your sign. When you leave today, greet someone, tell them hello. Tell them you're glad to see them. We'll transition, we'll clean up with the kids. They'll come in here. You guys have a wonderful day. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Rejoice when you leave this place that he's risen.